welcome, welcome to, to No Notes. Notes. I'm Colby. And I'm Alex. And welcome to this week's episode. Welcome. So as always, uh, let's start this off with our tops and bottoms for the new folks. We flip a coin to decide which one of us will discuss a top, aka a highlight of the week, and the other will discuss a bottom or something bad that happened this week. So I have a coin here. What do you want? Heads? Tails? <laughs> I did heads for uh, top last week, so I will do tails for bottom. Tails for bottom. Okay, let's see honestly can't remember anymore but whatever it is and that is tails so So you are doing the bottom all right so let's start with you and your top first so my top is i watched the new beyonce movie with some colleagues uh on friday that's only in theaters right it's only in theaters and it is three hours long but oh my god yeah it's so it takes you through the entire concert like it takes you through the same set less they cut off some things but like it's the same order like the first song she plays the first song she played in the concert is it all from one concert or is it a bunch of them spliced together? It's like, it's all of them spliced. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, it's three hours long, but it is so insightful. Like I left wanting to be good at something like Beyonce, you don't realize it just like how much in control she is of the music, what she's wearing, the stage, what it looks like her dancers, like she, it's, it's her, like she is behind everything. Yeah. I can't imagine to like, have had that sort of inherent talent and to know it and to serve it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's inherent because her like second and third albums weren't very good. Like it was something around the, that's true. She came into it. She came into it. Something around her her fourth album where she was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this. And then Beyonce, when she released the Beyonce self-titled album with the music videos, she changed like something about her changed. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying though. I think it, I think it is inherent. I think it's there. It just has to be cultivated. You yeah. Know? I think maybe the only other artist was Gaga when she was in her drug years. Mm. Uh, otherwise- Honestly, that's, that's the thing in general is that these artists, whether it's fashion, photography, filmmaking, the drugs are really what brings out the creativity in them. Yeah. As soon as they stop, they just, then you get art pop. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, Miley Cyrus's character in um, uh, uh, Black Mirror. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just like we just need them hooked up to a constant yeah. IV of something. And yeah. Gays just, would have left her just, hooked up. Just exactly. <laughs> just give us the good shit. Yeah. But I like it. No other artist compares to Beyonce. She is the best. She's the closest thing we have to a goddess. Like it's even embarrassing that people compare to Taylor Swift. Like it is a slap in the face to Beyonce. You know, I have controversial opinions about Beyonce. So you haven't watched this movie. No. And it's not that I don't think she's talented. I, I do very much thinks, uh, think she's talented. This is like not fair to her, but I just can't get over the Jay Z thing. And I just want her to leave him. I think, I think that's what it comes down to is that I'm just like, girl, you're so much bigger than him. Like, yeah, but you know, we, yeah, but that's, I, I'll leave that's, you to not, that. that's not here or there. So, uh, so what's your bottom of the week? Um, my, <laughs> my bottom of the week, and I never thought I would say this is George Santos getting expelled from Congress. Uh, okay. Why? So, I mean, not to say he doesn't deserve it because he does, but honestly, chaos, what an icon. Honestly, he reminds me of like the villain in like a RuPaul show or something like where you don't like them, but you want to keep them on the show for the attention, the drama of it all, the tea. So, um, I don't, do you know, he claimed he was in Hannah Montana. No, what? (laughs) Yeah. He claimed he was in Hannah Montana and the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Oh my God. But some of my favorite, uh, things 
about George Santos. So when he got questioned about being a drag queen in Brazil, I think, mm-hmm. and then was like given the photos about yeah. it, he goes, so sue me for having a life. <laughs> <laughs> And then, I mean, he was using campaign funds for OnlyFans, he shop, was, he shopping trips at Hermes that. and Botox. He like, was like, icon. He was like, oh, I just found out about OnlyFans about three weeks ago at a campaign meeting. And then, like, it turns out she, he's been paying for OnlyFans through, like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, Who it's, do you think OnlyFans he was subscribing to? I mean, he seems the type that would, like, honestly, kind of like your type of guys. Like hairless, uh, roided. You guys probably masturbate. Oh, I thought you meant thing. me. Like I thought you meant he would be into like twinkish build sort of guys. Like, oh, no, I think he, no. You think he's into those that? lips, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> I think he wants something else. Okay. Um, <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. Do you know who Christian Walker is? Uh, he's Herschel Walker's son. Um, that was very pro-Trump, yes. MAGA. Yes. All on TikTok. Isn't he now not? Uh, I don't know if he's not, but he's distanced himself ever since his father's campaign. But he just surfaced on TikTok some tea about George Santos and that he had hung out with him. And George Santos told him that he has a peach that'll make a, a man happy someday. Ew. I would jump off a building. Ew. No. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't want to imagine George Santos like thinking about my butt. Ugh, rimmed with tahine. Uh, mm. Gross. Anyway, so let's talk about this week's topic. So... We want to talk about what we collectively decided is late stage uh, gay. Is that is that what we called it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's right. I, I will say like this sort of concept in general feels fa- fairly like isolated to the cisgender gay experience. Like it's what we're going to talk about feels commonly shared against that experience. I don't think it's collectively against... You know, maybe Queer, like lesbian or being or transgender. Trans. Yeah, because yeah, those are just such different, diverse experiences, right? That just aren't encapsulated in this. Yeah, I think that's very important to um, clarify. It, so we kind of got this concept on uh, the Velvet Rage. We both have read it, right? We, so, and remind me, am I the one that told you to read the Velvet Rage? I don't know if you told me to read it, but I remember you like saying like, oh, everyone should everyone should read it, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. I think every gay man, cis gay man should. Yeah. Like, read it. I, I mean, the book, I think, is approaching nearly 30 years now. And so much has changed within the LGBTQ plus landscape that, again, it can't possibly apply to everyone. But I think there's a very particular type of gay male, like ones that live in big cities that go to frequent gay events and parties, things that we talk about a lot on this podcast that I think the, the material is very relevant for. And even then, I still picked up on a lot of little nuggets for that I think were just good information or, or like sort of eye-awakening things. Yeah, so for those of you who, who don't know, uh, Velvet Rage talks about, like this is going to be grossly simplified, but there are essentially three stages that he talks about. Uh, I'll talk about the first one. It's um, overwhelmed by stage. So in this stage... Uh, a gay man is afraid overwhelmed of, by what? Um, shame. Okay, I just couldn't hear you in the mic. Oh, sorry. Uh, overwhelmed by shame. Uh, so the first stage is where a gay man is afraid of his sexuality. So in this stage, uh, the person can be in denial. They can be splitting, leading double lives. Uh, the second stage is compensating for shame, and that's where a gay man tries to neutralize his shame. And then lastly, it's cultivating authenticity. So this is where a gay man embraces his sexuality. 
So what's something that you kind of like disagree with from the framework of that? I don't, I don't think that I necessarily disagree with that. I think it's more again, again, of just like a time and a place mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like for our generation, you know, you and me like 30 something millennials, some of us are 30 something. Some of us are just 30. Okay. Well, and coming from like fairly suburban and or rural ish areas and having moved to a big city, I think a lot of this is like maybe valid for us, but for like new generations that are, you know, coming up with, um, all these gay series on Netflix and every celebrity is out and has a husband. It's just a different world. Yeah. You know, people are coming out a lot younger. So like I checked up on this before we did this, but it was like seven to 12 or, or, or like people are coming out. So I don't think that they at that age can develop like double lives or the type of uh, denial and shame that something an adult would have. I mean, it's probably a lot of confusion at the age, yeah. but it's not going to be just what somebody would be uh, having 30 years ago. I think the thing that does ring true, um, regardless of time and place, is the straight society in general has this very um, consistent and or sort of predictive path, right? Like they're supposed to go to school, they get a job, they get married, they have kids, uh, they retire, their kids' kids their kids have kids and then they die. And that's just like sort of the standard path. Not to say that that hasn't changed a little bit too. Those norms are are mixing up as well. But for gays, like our experience sort of starts at the first, you have to come to terms of being okay with being gay. And sometimes it's not even just about you. It's your family having to come to terms Mm -hmm. with that because they're from an older generation. So I think those are the parts that ring true is that we first go through this process of, self-acceptance and having those around us either accept us or coming to terms that they will not before we can even move to these other stages of life or trying to balance it with those stages of life at the same time like you're trying to go to school you're trying to get a job while trying to you know just learn about who you are and whether you know you've come to terms with that or not yeah yeah I, i would definitely agree with that um i do think that when a person does initially come out i feel like a lot of people you know once they take the step to start telling people they do kind of um like the gay becomes their personality yeah they you know really lean into it they start making jokes with everyone like it, they'll start talking about themselves being you know gay to a lot of people they'll come out to a lot of people they might start like i don't know dressing a little gayer like, I don't know if you had in high school, like a person that was like, I call them like the person that leads the way for like the rest of the gay students, but it's like a person that's like really femme voice has, um, uh, they like had like white flip flops, white, white sunglasses, <laughs> white flip flops. Yeah. It's always white flip flops. Wait, tell me about the white flip flops and white sandals. Cause I'm thinking about like all the. Abercrombie. Yeah. And the guys that would go down to Florida for spring break with, I'll be wearing like white Oakley's. And so tell me about this. So I think it's probably related to that. Um, it's probably because we grew up around that time where kind of Abercrombie and Hollister was, was a thing, at least in my town, like in the, at least middle school to early high school. Yeah. It's a bunch of advertisements of ripped abs and guys that are a little too handsy with each other on the field. So I think like those, like the, all the gay, like the really gay ones would have like 
I don't know, white flip-flops, white sunglasses, but it wasn't like an Oakley sunglasses. It's like a Gucci, fake Gucci, Fucci. Fucci. Fucci, Frada. <laughs> glasses. Okay. But they'd be like the revolutionary one. Like I remember the really gay student in my high school and like it must have been so brave. Like they, like I felt so bad for them because I do remember, I I was probably also one of them, but like all the straight guys would make fun of him like behind his back obviously um and no straight guy would want to be associated with him yeah i mean looking back on it now i think those kids were brave but i think high school whether you're gay straight you know whatever you are it's it's a little bit about survival right and we make choices on like what we think is gonna best serve us during that period so are you saying that you you made fun of the guy yeah i'll be honest like i mean it's sort of like uh you have to throw people out out under the bus to look out for yourself i mean to be fair i didn't even know myself that i was gay until probably close to senior year or senior year actually Um, really yeah uh it's funny looking back on it but most of the guys in my high school just they did not awaken anything in me sexually. So <laughs> it just did not. I think, I think also I was a little like naive and innocent of a child too, but it wasn't until I like stumbled eventually on porn that I realized I was like, Oh yeah, I'm into this. Well, when did you stumble? Like how old were you when you stumbled to gay porn yeah it was it was honestly probably like junior year of high school or really yeah maybe the summer before senior year like i said i was fairly like innocent and naive like i i think maybe my sexual development was maybe a little later um i mean i i know looking back at it now that there were certainly signs and that i internally was not feeling the connections that i should have with girls at a really even Mm -hmm. at a really young age um but it just took me a long time to piece all that together. Okay. When did you know? I knew pretty early on. What 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 like led you to I realize? remember not being like being able to only sexually fantasize about men, not women. I knew that was a problem. I think I probably did. I just didn't realize it until much later. Like, so here's the thing. Some of us are smarter than others and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is sort of getting at the points of the velvet rage that like the, sh- the step one or stage one is this shame ridden thing. I never had shame about it ever. Even when I eventually came out and my parents didn't agree with it, I never felt shame or wrong about it. It felt so natural to me. And even from a very early age, I remember being like seven or eight and getting in an argument with my dad about something to do with um, gays. I don't remember. Maybe it was around Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I don't remember what year that was, but I remember getting in an argument with him and him just getting so angry um, about it. Don't remember the context, but it, it just tells me that even then, like there was some internal sort of voice telling me that like there was some reason I felt strongly about this and had opinions about this at such a a young Mm -hmm. age. So I think deep down I knew that there was something different. I just didn't know how it all pieced together. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
I, I kind of agree with that. I don't think I had shame either. I do always remember thinking that I knew you something. should have. <laughs> um, I do remember thinking that I was kind. I like knew something that no one else knew. Like, like when you talk to like religious people, like you know they. Did you just feel different? I, I feel different. I just felt different. Yeah, I felt like I wasn't on the same wavelength as everyone. And I knew that they weren't. You know, does that make sense? Like, I knew where they were coming from because yeah. they were missing pieces of the puzzle. Did you feel like you were actively trying to bury those parts of you from other people realizing it? I guess that's the shame component of it. So I think I remember like, like knowing that I wouldn't like, I shouldn't hang out with said gay person. Cause they might think that you are, or yeah. I knew like, Hey, you probably shouldn't have uh, like all girls. Like you need to have straight friends. Yeah. So I think I remember even the, even like I knew that I probably shouldn't be watching um, like logo TV. I remember like that would be one of the ch- like I would like skip to that. Like, OK, don't watch that because you don't want to be caught. Dude, one time actually remember next on MTV next. Yeah. When they would be on a bus, like five contestants would be on a bus. Wait, is this where they go in each other's apartments? No, that's Room Raiders. Okay. So there is a gay episode of that that I remember watching. So next would be a show where, um, there'd be one person and they are going on dates with five people. And so there'd be five people on a bus. One would come out and the person, they would go on a date with this person. And if they don't like him, they say next and, uh, they get kicked off. Uh, and so then the next person comes out of the, the bus one time, so there were two episodes on each 30-minute episode. There was two segments on each 30-minute episode. Okay. I was watching one. It was a straight one. And then I went outside, and a gay one came on, and I wasn't in, but the TV was playing. So my mom saw that there was a gay episode, and when I came back, she asked me, like, why are you watching a gay TV show? And I got outed. With, I didn't even know. Fuck MTV. Wait, when she came out later, did she bring this back up? No, this is something that I... She, You're I mean, just thinking this yeah. is when... What, um, speaking of the shame piece of it, what is the most, like, gay shame event, like, most gay-related shame event that you can think of in your life? I do remember after I hooked up with my first person from, like, I think it was Scruff. Uh, I remember that's like the first time where I was like, oh, I feel shame. Wait, what age were you? Was this college? Yeah, this was college. I was 19 or 20 years old. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty late. I <laughs> thought it was going to be something like you uh, know, in front of your parents at like a very young age. No, that's not true. I now remember this was way younger. In 2004, I bought Hillary Duff's self-titled album, Hillary Duff, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt shame. <laughs> now, you know, I, I, someone years later gave me a copy because I always bring up Hillary Duff a copy of that same album and I have it in my office at work so nice. anyone can see <laughs> the Hillary Duff self-titled album you love Hillary she's the queen do you want to hear mine what because it's imprinted in my brain okay. permanently um so when not Spice World but the Spice Girl tour movie I don't remember what that's called is that the one where they're on the London Bridge and then they're like, uh-oh, we're going to jump. And then it's like a toy bus. Isn't that the Spice World movie? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there's it's like a the sequel. So no, there's, there's a movie that's like a more Hollywood production kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that's sort of like this Beyonce one, right? That's like of their concerts. Oh, you're, you're too gay for me. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, 
a childhood friend stayed over and we watched that. And looking back on it now, I think we we were just being boys mm-hmm. and boys experiment and all that. Doesn't it's not really sexual. We were very young, like honestly, less than ten years old. But we both really loved the performance of Naked. Have you seen mm, any no. of their? So they go on stage. They're in like the skin colored, like the colored, colored, yeah. to cover their privates. But they're sitting like facing the back of a chair so that from the audience's perspective, it they looks look like naked. they're naked. Uh-huh. So we decided to perform that for each other, like while <laughs> we were watching the movie. Are you still connected with the other guy? No. Okay. So when he is performing in front of me, like, so he's like sitting in this like office chair. I have my bedroom, like facing the bed, whereas I'm just like watching him and the movie. And it's honestly innocent. It's just kids being kids. Uh-huh. My mom walks in. Oh shit. Of course. What does she do? Um, I immediately get drug out of the room and naked. Uh, I wasn't naked because oh. we, again, it wasn't sexual. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I got drug into the shower for some reason. Um, I don't really know what the point of that was. Um, and I just remember my mom screaming at me like boys don't expose themselves to other boys. Like just something about that. Um, and I remember just that was so traumatizing for me. Yeah, I bet. Like it was just this very innocent thing that wasn't sexual now i mean if it's adults you'd be like yeah that's sexual but like kids you know it's just not how they think right but that for me i think is my is my number one gay shame moment oh i mean i would i would be afraid like frightening mom yelling at me and you're like what and then now looking back at it it's you know it's not like we did anything wrong yeah we were just kids yeah just kids just kids uh so one thing that i have noticed is like after people initially get out of like, you know, they start coming out and kind of accepting that they are gay and start telling people, um, I feel like the most important part of like their gay development is like when they start making relationships with other gays, whether that be sexual, romantic, uh, platonic friendships, like that's the most important part of like a gay development. I think that's where like a lot of people kind of get stuck. And like a lot of issues arise out of so this. So this is like the stage two part of. Yeah. And I think, I feel like that's like the most important part. Well, I would guess I would say it's not exactly stage two because stage two is more about just finding things to cover up the shame. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people that can be relationship oriented because they, we are like finding these things that prove to other people that you know we we're okay or like we're living a normal life or we're successful or whatever the narrative is that we're mm-hmm. wanting to tell people so that's why a lot of a lot of gay men i would say jump into relationships is so that they can like signal to their family and friends that see i am the same as you like i am in love and have a committed partner Yes, I think that a lot of people start, a lot of people will do that. I think a lot of people will also uh, cover up their issues, whether that be work, whether they the relationship with their parents through sometimes like sexual relationships. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of them, because like having, you know, sex feels good, everyone will start. Does it? 
I wouldn't know. <laughs> but like everyone will start abusing this. Like they, they can no longer just be friends with someone. They can no longer just go to the bar. They have to be looking for the next thing. Well, I mean, pun aside, it's a bottomless pit that it's, it's truly, it's like you're trying to fill this hole that you're not going to be able to plug in this way because deep down that, that shame or anger, whatever you're feeling as a result of that, you're literally just trying to mask it with this constant barrage of like a temporary high, right? Of this person wants me, they want to sleep with me. And that only lasts so long and you just keep looking for it over and over again. And I mean, we've seen this, like I've seen this with close friends that it just does not, it it, it never works out. Not to say that like sleeping around, having sex with multiple people, I think that's healthy. I think more people should be doing that. Like instead of trying to pigeonhole themselves into a relationship, but it's really trying to understand like your justification for doing it. Like, are you doing it because you're just trying to, cover up for something else or are you genuinely just trying to experience a lot of new things right it i mean i know there's there's people that i have like actively i do not want to go out with them because i know that once we go out to the bar like bye say goodbye to them because they're gonna be looking out for their next you know midnight soiree yeah, I mean, one of our really good friends that I won't name on this. And but I feel like I feel like it's different. I'm not trying to. I think there's a difference because there's a time and place for it. Like we're not trying to say you shouldn't do this. Totally, totally. time and place. And I feel like he's really good at time oh, and place. Oh, and I'm not. I'm, I don't think I'm giving the example okay. you're thinking of. But yeah. just I remember a period where we would get to a bar, and this person would instantly be scanning the room. Mm-hmm. As soon as they find it, they would ditch you like for whatever they're interested in. If they don't get that, they're like mad and upset the whole night. And it just like ruins the whole vibe. Yeah. I think the mad and upset part is, I think, the most frustrating thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I think we're supportive bros of like, look, go have fun, do your thing. But also when I'm trying to go out with friends, I'm trying to go out with friends, like be in the company of you. So. Right. I I think it's, this is getting back to what I was talking about in the beginning that our, our paths are just sort of different. Like we spend all this time trying to like come to terms and acceptance with ourselves and figure out who we are. And because of that, like, even if it's not shame related, right. Society for the longest time has not allowed us to do the same things that our straight counterparts had. Like when I was in high school, even if I loved and accepted myself and even when I was out my senior year, my friends and all that, that loved and accepted me, I physically could not have brought my boyfriend to prom. Mm -hmm. That was not an option. Right. So that means that, you're blocked from a lot of similar relationships very early on. And same with like your parents, right? Your parents might not allow you to have boys over that you experimented with at an early age. And so by the time that you've reached adulthood that you have as developed of a sense of things like friendship and what love looks like. So that, that then once you get to adulthood, you're, you're like seeking that, that you, something that you should have already developed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I, like we have had friends like this. I know that, you know, they can't tell the difference between platonic love mm-hmm. and sexual like love. What do you think about Francest people who hook up within their friendship group? It's a plague. I think it's a red flag. I think yeah. I like if someone can't like differentiate. Like there's one thing if, you know, you bring two people who are strangers 
and then they have like a romantic connection. I think that's one thing. If it's two people that are friends and then they have these feelings or, or like say that at the end of the night, they're like, I'm going to hook up with whatever's around me, which will be my friend. I think that's like a problem because that you have to have a sort of barrier between a friend and someone that you hook up with. I mean, I think it, I think it's a little more nuanced and complicated because friendship can obviously turn into something different. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you didn't work with someone at some point of your friendship, but the way things have changed or the more you've learned about each other, that becomes something else. But I think what you're getting at are people that, again, they're trying to fill that constant gap and like sleep with someone. And if they, they don't get it that night, they just lean on the closest thing to them, which ends up being a friend. Yeah, And that is just, it's, it's kind of like emotionally abusive in a yeah. way that it's just like, and I feel like ultimately there's never good communication. So one's always wanting something that the other doesn't. But at the end of the day, like if you are two mature adults and your friends and you're communicating and talking about what you want, like you're saying, I, you know, we are going to do this and it's just in this capacity and you're both on board with that, then I think that's totally fine. But the reality is, is I think it's just, you are playing a dangerous game mm-hmm. because it, it's often really hard to separate them. And it ultimately, if you're repeatedly having sex with someone, there's probably inevitably some sort of emotion tied up in that. And it, are you going to be able to distinguish it? Right. Or is the other person? Right. Yeah. And so you really just have to ask yourself, like, am I willing to risk that? Exactly. What do you think about people, gays who only have like, say friends that are f- straight females? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I don't have strong opinions or I, I, sorry, I don't have positive opinions of this. I think that is a crutch in a way. I think it's similarly what I was talking about that you may not have developed the same kind of relationships. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of guys that they did not have the same sort of interactions with, with their peer males growing up. And so they cling to like that safety net of like women that they thought were like more supportive of them, more acceptive of them when they're younger. That's not to say you can't have girlfriends, right? Like, yeah, I think it's healthy to have a mixture of gay, straight, you know, the whole spectrum, like that's, that's healthy, but for you to solely rely on women, I don't think is healthy. I agree. And it's, it seems to be like the same type of person that does that. It's always, and I feel really, really bad for them, but it's always, um, a, you can kind of tell it's like a very femme person who, like you were saying, probably didn't have the most positive experience with other men. And so they rely on females, but like they are so, they get held up. They never, like a lot of them don't find relationships. A lot of them don't, like they have just, dip, like they are always like in bachelorettes, but they're never in the the actual bridal party, which I think is so sad. Well, I've also seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen tragedies like that where they don't end up even getting invited to the wedding because the best girlfriend's boyfriend's family's homophobic or something like that. Yeah. Um, But I've seen also situations where they both are leaning on each other as a crutch. Like there's females that, you know, the fag guys that like they can't, they don't want to put themselves out there. They, so they they both just like use each other in a way. Um, I think it's just important to make sure you're getting like a diversity of experiences. Like, yeah. Cause it's also like, I've also seen gay men where they only hang out with 
like the same kind of gay men just like them. Yeah, and it's it becomes a problem because when they're anything sort of that's different from their gay group, they they exclude the other person. Like it's just. I think we do that. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, we we really try. Like I I, I mean I like think about a lot. Like yeah. making sure we have a lot of like there we different, look different opinions. Them, um, more masculine. Me. Um, hot me, ugly you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I'm in your dreams either way. <laughs> nightmares. Like Freddy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so what, like we've talked about like what we think maybe stage one, stage two, but what do you think is like more like a long, long term, uh, maybe like mentally stable? Is that, a, maybe is that, is that correct? I don't know if I've seen it, if I'm going to be real with you. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think that's my biggest issue with the Velvet Rage is that it, it gives you this progressive uh, stage, like one, two, and three. But I don't think that's true. I think you kind of like Oscillate. flow in between depending on the situation, right? Be, uh, like, I'll tell you that when I'm around, um, like if I'm at a, a party and there's like good looking, like I feel like I should like, uh, like maybe I have to be around that area rather than like where less attractive people are hanging what stage do you think you're in i think i i'm in between like i think honestly i think i'm probably like two-ish is that saying you're above two or maybe above slightly two. below two i think i'm above two okay a strong above okay i think i'm near you <laughs> okay <laughs> you want to get in a fight yeah let's go <laughs> no but what what like what do you think that like is a healthy point um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think the, so the, the part of stage three is like this full acceptance of yourself that your whole being is not surrounded by your sexuality or using sex as a way to get validation, right? It's that mm -hmm. you have other things in life that drive you and motivate you and you're not obsessed with this inner turmoil about being gay. That piece of it, I think I've seen, like, honestly, I, I think that both of us are probably in that category that we love and accept each other ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't personally give a shit if my family or someone does not support them gay. Like I will cut that person out. I mm -hmm. don't need that validation. But I think that the reality is, is that life is hard in general, but gay life can be even harder. Um, we, because of the shame and, all, all of that that's like it's festered in our society this idealist idealistic view like we need to be perfect mm -hmm. i think you and i both share this that we constantly feel like we have a lot to prove yeah like yeah. we we want to be killing it in our careers we want to have attractive partners we want to have a beautiful life we want to be traveling to yeah. all the best places we want to have healthy like friendships like we want to be we want like the beautiful life. Yeah. We want know? it all. We want it all. And that, that is surrounded in ego and narcissism and all these not so great traits. And I think that's the part where I know we're not fully developed in because we keep coming back to that of like, okay, we feel super self-conscious when our bodies aren't good enough right. when we're at some venue or party or, you know, maybe our, homes are not what we want them to be. Mm -hmm. Are we, or, you know, in your case, you just got a nice one. Like now it's like, do you want a bigger one? You right. know, yeah. it's, um, it's that sort of thing that I, I know there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. 
it's just getting past all of that and just the full acceptance piece. I, I just don't think I've seen it. I truly don't. Cause yeah. even if I look at couples, you're like, I think there's a, there's a part of our community that just goes, okay, the gold standard is that you're in this stable monogamous relationship and you two are just together for the rest of your life. There's always improvement. No, no well, the reality is, is that day straight, you know, by whatever, you know, you define yourself as, I just don't think it's that rosy for anyone. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think that if like I would be in a, I, I have talked to you about this. I think having long-term non-sexual goals are a good and healthy thing. As long as it's not, it, it's coming from like a healthy place. I think that's like, I think this podcast idea was created because we wanted to leave. We didn't want to have a nine to five job and that be our entire life. Yeah. I, I will say that as I've matured, as I've gotten older, I think that one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life is foster healthy friendships. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, one person cannot be everything to you. It's, it's actually an unfair expectation that that one person is everything to you. And that can look like a whole bunch of different things. But I just mean that like you need people that surround you that offer a diverse spectrum of ideas, thoughts, um, and, you know, God forbid something happened to that person, you break up, they die, you know, who knows um, that you are not just sort of left on your own. And I don't think that as a gay society, we put enough emphasis on having friends. I think we we care a lot about having acquaintances and people around us that invite us to things and that we do things with. But that's not friendship. That's that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think because there's so much... Um, shame and desire to cover that with that beautiful, perfect life that we talked about, that people have so many barriers that prevent them from having real friends because they're not willing to be vulnerable and like just really open up with someone. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, like we have pillow talk section sessions, which it's like some of the best. Yeah. I and mean, it's really relieving once you do that because it makes you feel so much more connected with these people and it gives them a perspective like where you're coming from yeah i think you just need people that you can be really open and honest with and it's not easy to find i mm -hmm. will say that while it's been one of the most worthwhile things i've done it's also been one of the most challenging because the reality is most people within our community aren't even like a good enough state to build a relationship with because they haven't even come to terms with themselves so yeah. they can't really support you but because they're not willing to be vulnerable, they're not going to be a good friend to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all very transactional. And I think that's probably one of the worst parts of what the shame has done to us. And all these fears and things that have been projected onto us as a child from our families and friends growing up that I'm hoping that the, these future, you know, generations that, come to a more accepting world that there's just less of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to the, yeah, I think it's, so we'll, we'll talk about our no notes section. I think this was sort of like the impetus of this conversation today is that there's a bar that we, we both have started, I guess, to go to. And I think it attracts a different sort of member of our community than maybe some of the uh, other places. And yeah. So I think that we've gone a lot to like circuit parties and like 
bars that attract you know different types of audiences but like definitely like a circuit party is going to be more uh driven by appearances and you know how you how you behave basically yeah i mean i think what one thing we've tried to get across here is that you can go to a whole bunch of different things and if you just sort of have like a solid group of friends you can enjoy these sort of experiences regardless Mm -hmm. of what the makeup or construct of this event is but there still can be venues that offer a little bit more for people that aren't as some people might just not like circuit parties yeah, yeah different and that's type totally of fine so i think martini's in san francisco that's the best bar in san francisco i have yet to go to a more fun bar best like lgbtq bar best bar best bar period and the thing is it's yes it is queer and but a lot of straight people will be there I and mean, you'll see straight people on a date there all the time so martini's is this excellent martini bar it has two rooms, um, the bar room, and then it has a back room where there's a piano. They have a pianist come every single night, and people can go up there and start singing. Uh, can I just say that I love a bar that tells you in the name exactly what it is? Yeah. Because it's like- Tunes you, and a martini. You go to High Tops, there's not a top there. <laughs> there's a lot of high people, but yeah, there's not yeah. a top. But no one says hi to me, and it's spelled H-I. And like, what's Bo? Like, you're not finding a Bo at Bo. Uh-uh. You're finding someone to stomp your white shoes. You know, you know what is accurate, though, is Toad Hall. You will yep. find a lot of toads at Toad Hall. Yeah, but no princes, because if you kiss that toad, it's mm. going to remain fugly. But like a frog, you might get warts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that Martini's name just tells you exactly what you're getting out of it. Badlands, though? Sad. Uh, well, That's so also I haven't been back accurate. to it yet, and let's do an episode on that soon. Yeah. But I've hear I've actually heard some conflicting opinions, and really? I did I didn't tell you this. I went to Toad Hall the other day. <gasps> well, you we were going without me. Yeah, without <laughs> you. Well, we were go, trying to go to Bow first. Oh, right. uh, sorry, not Bow. Um, Badlands. Badlands. The cover was fifteen dollars. You're joking. And it was packed all the way to the door. So, so we need to go. So, okay, Martunis. One of the reasons I love Martunis is there's never a cover charge. Gay bars should not have cover charges ever. And okay, so as someone that moved to a big city, San Francisco, from Atlanta, cover charges were not a thing. I think they might be now since the pandemic, but they were not a thing unless it wasn't a bit. It was a big event or party. Yeah. So like, if you went out on um, New Year's Eve or whatever, you would have expected to pay for that. But otherwise, you just went in. Yeah. Unless there is a party event, which you want to limit the amount of people coming into the bar, you should not be putting a bar. I shouldn't. If there if there is a cover charge, it should be packed to the rim. Or I will say, I think it makes sense for venues that they're going to be doing a lot of drag shows that evening because not everybody will tip. Yeah, but that's now you're not at a bar. It's not just a bar, right? It's there because it's entertainment. It's a concert. It's yeah, but I'm show. saying like Bo does drag shows. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if they're splitting that cover fee or uh, mm-hmm. with the drag queens. I hope they are. But I'm saying like, I can at least rationalize that to say, okay, maybe that's going towards some of that because a lot of people just won't tip. Mm -hmm. But if it's just a normal sports bar, dance club, whatever, there better not be a fucking cover. Unless it's a big like pride weekend, something like that. It's just, it's, there's no excuse for it. Right. So Martinis will never have one. And it's, so it's one of those places where anyone can go. You can, if you want to be in the piano room, singing a song, put your listen. It's basically karaoke in the back. It gives you the option. If you want to be just like a specter, you could totally just do that. But if you want to just get a drink, ha- they have some of the 
best martinis, only maybe two Hillstone uh, in the entire city. Yeah, and uh, the drinks espresso, are huge. Espresso martini is pretty solid. And I do not Cosmos, give that feedback often. Yeah, right. Cosmo's there, also delicious. I've never had one. What's really? in a Cosmo? It's uh, cranber- the cranberries, what gives it the pink glow. Is it very fruity though? Like the t- sweet? It's not sweet. Uh, it, uh, you can taste both like, like the, the bitterness from the cranberry plus the vodka. Mm. It's really good. If it's too sweet, you've done it wrong. It should be like the light pink because it has doesn't have that much Got cranberry. It. I think the color of it just makes me think it's going to be too sweet. I'm just not a syrupy, sweet sort of yeah, person. Definitely not. If, if it's done the right way, it's not. Mm. It's not too sweet. Um, Back to martinis. Um, one thing I love about it is that, yes, there's the singing going on in the other room, but and they have it going through speakers as well. But the volume is at such that you can actually have a fucking yep. conversation. Yep. That's the difference between like a place like Quads, Palm Springs. Yes. And Martinis. And it's honestly what I would imagine that queer bars were originally like when mm-hmm. they had to be very sort of on but, the DL. Yeah. It's like it's queer coded, but it's not outrightly queer. Yeah. I will also say that the bartenders are fantastic. They're super they're knowledgeable. They're on their shit. On their shit. They, I'm telling you, the pours are great. I mean, they're huge drinks. It's probably like one and a half times at least yeah. of a standard martini glass. So two of those puppies and you're like, you're toast. Done. Yeah. You're toast. I do know. I remember. remember um, oh, so and I it's have, cheap. It's very cheap. Are they like $14 a piece? Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's like 1.5 drinks. So it's not like you're getting your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember one time I went with a friend. Um, she had to then went on a date, came back. Well, she, uh, came back to Martinis and she did her date or she brought him back. Brought him back and they were making out at Martinis. Wow, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And when I think about like stable gays, I think of Martinis because there you can't like no one's hooking up, no one's taking off their shirt. It's just you go there with a good group of people friends and you have a great time every single time that's a place to take a partner your best friend your parents your fruit fly Mm. i could also be see it being nice for someone though that is really high really early (laughs) into the coming out phase because it's low pressure yeah i mean you're probably not gonna make friends in a bar like that i mean maybe if you just sat at the actual bar oh i'm sure that there's gonna be like those gays that just like you know want to chit chat i've never sat at the bar by myself i sat at the bar this last time but i was with people Mm -hmm. we did actually end up some random person ended up talking to us old um i didn't get a look at him he was (laughs) on the opposite side of a friend um so i i guess maybe you might chat out with someone there but it's more of the like you just I could see being a good date night spot, yeah. like especially early date, because you can actually have a conversation and there's, a, you know, you're around other people. Um, but I love it at the stage where we're out now, where I'm not always trying to like go dance. I mean, there's nights for that. Right. But like when we go to high tops, I can't hear what you're saying at all. At all. I just rely on my face, which I often do. Well, you got to And it's got to be this far. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, kind of where was I going with this? Uh, Martinis, yeah, great, great spot. Uh, who would you recommend Mar- recommend Martinis to? I think anyone can go. Anyone. I mean, it, like, and I say that 
when I say anyone, I literally feel like sometimes someone from the like off the street <laughs> has just roamed in there and is very confused about where they are. It does give off like a what would you describe the style like the decor in there? I don't know. It's so dark in there. It it's it's I want to say it's like kind of mid modern. No. It's no the, maybe art deco that's what i'm yeah like art, art deco, deco but it's like from the original period yeah. like nothing in there has been renovated Changed at all at all yeah i would say it's probably from the 1920s i gotta do some research oh I, well i don't think it's actually from the 1920s i just think it's like inspired i'm actually googling this now there is a club on uh on guerrero street called club 500 and there's like a drawing of it from the 1800s um martinis opened so this is an article from 2012 saying that it opened 16 years ago um so in the 90s yeah oh well she feels she has an old soul let's get maybe that that's way. more the i can't do that math in my head right now but um yeah so it's not actually that old the building could be but yeah. it's a weird location i will say that part of the city is random it doesn't have a name it's like it is it mid market? It's not mission. It's close to like is that it, getting close to Dubose Triangle? It's getting close to Dubose, Mission, Castro, uh Financial. It's like I think it's technically Maybe mid-market. it's like it's like tender triangle. Yeah, or like that's the place in San Francisco where it there's no jurisdiction. Like you can kill someone uh, and just, no one. It's Bermuda Triangle. It's Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yeah. Which actually works perfectly because like you go Dump there, the there's no sense of time when yeah. you're in that space. White Lotus. Yeah. No idea where yeah. you are. Anyway, I would recommend this to mom, dad. Are you listening? This one. Okay. Well, <laughs> I hope we'll go to it soon. All um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks well, for listening. All right, see ya. Hey, it's Colby and Alex here. Thank you for listening to No Notes. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share with your friends. You can also follow us on Instagram at No Notes Pod, one word, where you'll find updates on new episodes and see more into our lives and the stories that we share with you on the show. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, keep it real and keep it queer.